Kamusta Katanoomers? Welcome to Tanum Tuesdays, a podcast where we talk to folks around the Philippines about their gardens, farms, food forests, and anything and everything about Tanum, which means plants. Here are your Katanoomers in this podcast. I'm Joe. I'm Chinkin. I'm Marcel. And I'm Albert. And now, on with the show. In this episode, we will be talking about plants that are from the Philippines, especially trees, and why there is a movement to highlight these native plants and trees in the country. Leanne Canal Salayan is a young plant lover based in Rizal province, who grew up along the foothills of the Sierra Madre. On many islands, there are still untouched beautiful forests, which you and I could say are some of the best natural gardens, so to speak, that you can find. Even Luzon Island itself is around 20 million years old. Now who would want to lose a garden like that? Leanne is one of many plant lovers who want to highlight our native species. Without further ado, here's Leanne. Hi, I'm Leanne Canal Silayan. I I'm a millennial who likes plants. Uh, since I was a little girl living in the farm in San Mateo Rizal, I've really, really just been around plants, love plants, hugged plants, touched plants, cut plants, everything <laughs> um, plant related. So now I've turned my passion into more of a career and I've added my advocacy to it. What I do is I have a nursery of native trees. These are the trees na katutubo sa Pilipinas, meaning dito talaga sila nag-evolve, sila yung kilala ng mga ibon, mga bubuyog dito sa Pilipinas, at sila yung na mas mabuti para sa biodiversity. So yun ang tinatanim ko at... Um, most of them go to reforestation sites like in Ipo Watershed um, and other forests in the Philippines. And some are sold to private owners. Pwede nila itanim sa bakuran nila, sa mga private farms. And um, so that's uh, what I advocate for, for, planting native trees for biodiversity and also so many other um, benefits of planting native trees. And I also want to educate. So that's also one thing I do online. Um, and through workshops, I have little seminars, and I like doing things like this. So thank you for inviting me, Albert. I like doing these uh, interviews and talks so that the I can reach a wider audience because a lot of a lot more people want to learn about trees. Para sure, ang kalikasan natin ay napakaimportante na realize nga natin yun more even more recently. With that said, for our audience, why are native trees important or native species in general? You mentioned a bit about biodiversity. Um, to add a bit for our audience, uh, unfortunately, at, at least here in the Philippines, there has been a focus on planting exotic trees, trees that are not from the country. Maybe you can touch a bit upon um, the, the importance of native species. As you mentioned, it's important for biodiversity. Making, you, can, you can delve just a bit more into that for those who have no idea about the, the difference between exotic and native species. Biodiversity is it's like a house of cards. The wider the base, the stronger the house of cards will be. And that base is usually uh, the herbs or the plants. And so when we plant native trees, we are supporting the second... The, um, that's the base or the foundation of your environment. So if you plant several types of trees, let's say Nara, Malave, Itil, Dao, and all those, you have a good base. Then you'll support above that the next level of 
animals or plants that need those plants. So for example, let's say the yellow, uh, the black, black-naped oriole likes nesting in the dao tree. So you have that oriole there. Then that supports other, other smaller or larger animals. And you have a great and um, strong house of cards. That's your biodiversity. Um, in comparison, if you don't plant native trees, let's say you plant in a plantation style, lots of mahoganies, one hectare of mahogany trees, then that's just one card in the base of your house of cards. And that is, a, that is not a really a house. That will just be two layers maybe of your house. And we don't want that. We want a large and stable house of cards. So if, even if one thing falls down a bit, one thing gets hurt, the whole house of cards will stay intact. That's what biodiversity is. And that's why we need to protect it. Another reason that we want to promote native trees compared to exotics is that it is better for soil conservation and water conservation, water production, especially in watersheds, because that's mostly where I work. And I've seen how, how much better natives do in the, in the area. Like They don't need much care. They thrive well, and they really attract the rest of flora and fauna there. And also... Uh, based on other people's experiences, when they plant non-native trees, exotic trees, they can really suck up the water and not return the water. What we want in a watershed is springs or mga bukal na naturally lumalabas lang in tubig. But when you plant non-native trees like mahogany, they love water. They evolved in places where there's lots of water. So instead of giving water to or providing water for the sapa or the bukal, kinukuha pa niya. That's what we don't want. And lastly, one, well, there are other benefits, but I'd like to really focus on this last one that is rarely talked about in terms of comparing natives to exotics. It's the cultural aspect. Plants, trees, their stories and their uses and their names are part of our culture. In terms of uh, culinary culture, our plants have been uh, used as ingredients in our sinigangs, our adobos. So in sinigang, I, re I found out that we don't just use sinig um, sampalok. Now, or the common ingredient for souring our, our sinigangs would be sampalok. But before, we would use the native alibangbang, guava, we would use katmon, and many other um, plants that have been like pushed behind, pushed out because we have lost the trees. So we have to keep the trees there so that we can continue cooking with these things as well as using them for medicine. That's one more thing. So that's basically it. There are lots of others and if you just, it's a, it's a very deep dive. <laughs> dive. Um, but basically that's what I want to emphasize. Biodiversity, soil and water conservation, and culture. It's it's unfortunate that not many people know about the native trees, but there and even more so, they don't know about the connections of our native plants and species to our culture and our food <laughs> <laughs> and our medicine. Tama ka. Um, I guess I, I, one idea before we proceed is reconnecting with our indigenous people and their stories, yung kwento nila, and the science they have. They have their own science and understanding about, mm -hmm. um, uh, about native trees. Kasi there are, their culture is from time immemorial before uh 
all these introductions. And they have to be passed down through stories. So it's really good to travel around and just ask, Kuya, ano to? Tapos, ikawento nila. I've, um, minsan, maliit lang yung tanong mo eh. Kuya, ano to? Tapos yung kuya naman, kikwento niya para, ah, yung ano na yan, ganito, ginagamit yan sa ganyan. Tapos lumalaki, tapos yung ibon na ganito, nagpupunta dyan. Ang dami nilang kwento. So, we have to continue talking about it. And so, we don't, we don't lose that culture. I really like the house of cards, the, the your house uh, metaphor. Then it's very, it's a nice way of visualizing for people who don't understand the aspect not only about native trees but about biodiversity. No, speaking of house, I wanted to segue to um, the everyone in the urban areas in their homes. They're stuck at home. Everyone's trying to start a garden. We're encouraging this. Um, uh, many people who are listening or starting to listen. Um, have their own gardens, and that we're also acquiring an audience of people who are farmers or own different farms in, in the Philippines. Then, can you t- maybe you could um, give us an idea of how we can use our own native plants, Philippine trees and species, and fruits and vegetables, katmon? Uh, maybe you can delve a bit into that part on how these people can can start planting um, these species, and also um, how it would help their gardens in in whatever way that you believe it might help. So native trees, there's a, it hasn't been mainstreamed yet as a houseplant, but I'm seeing that in the future. I'm hoping um, to see more of our native plants indoors and not puro fiddly fig. I have nothing, <laughs> I have no bad feelings against fiddly fig, but I want to see variety. Variety is good. So um, anyway, um, I have a few suggestions of things um, people can have inside their home. So first is um, something like a bonsai. So yung mga native trees na pwedeng i-bonsai would be surprisingly molave. You know, molave is a very, very, very big tree. Or people think it's a big tree. But actually, if you ask a bonsai artist, they'll say, kahit ano pwedeng i-bonsai. And Molave is a pretty good one to have as a bonsai or lagundi. Also, um, there's a ebony tree. It's called bantulinaw. Can't remember the scientific name right now. Um, but it has a really dark, almost black trunk, and it will add really an interest to your in, to inside your home. And they will survive in low light. Yun yung kailangan ng house plants. Eh. We usually um, you'll want low-light, tolerant plants. Okay, so another plant that I would suggest for indoors na I'm experimenting with right now because I have one and I'm hoping it will survive indoors. It's, uh, it, it started its life outdoors with full light and now I'm, I've brought it inside and I'm observing it if it will survive. It's a botong, another very big tree. It is a beech tree and it's like three or four stories tall. And it's usually planted, parang, I think there are some along EDSA. It has the same feature or similar features with the fiddly fig, which is waxy, large leaves. So that's what I'm experimenting with. And later on, I hope that more um, nurseries will have it sold and marketed as an indoor plant. Because it's really, it's really interesting. Um, so, yeah, yun yung mga indoors. Um, outdoors, if you have a small garden, there are some other um, small shrubby plants, native plants that you can plant to attract 
butterflies and your birds and stuff like that. So first is the tagpo. I, I recently fell in love with this just recently because I didn't really care about it before. So it was like, oh, simple. But um, as I've been seeing it through the weeks, I've noticed that its leaves are really um, pretty and dainty. And it doesn't grow so, doesn't grow too big. Plus, it has edible fruits. If you've eaten the Good Shepherd blueberry jam, it's not actual blueberries like the ones they have in Europe. It's our native tagpo. And each province has, or um, there are several types of tagpo. And in your province, you might have a different kind of tagpo that I have, but they're all edible. And if you don't eat it, the birds will eat it and they'll be happy too. So that's the tagpo. Uh, another one would be linawin, uh, also called ginberry. It's a really tiny pink fruit. It's, it's, it's not enough to fill you up, but it has an interesting sweet taste. And the birds, birds also love it. Uh, what else? Um, those are the berries. For the flowers, I would suggest, if you like white flowers and fragrant flowers, um, kamuning which is already popular already. Actually, now they use it as um, hedging for parks, hedging for parking lots, and people just pass by it, not really um, give it a second thought. But it is, it can be more mainstream, or it's already mainstream, and let's continue keeping it mainstream because the leaves are shiny and small and dainty, doesn't grow too big. You can keep it small, as small as you would want it to be. And the flowers smell like, hmm, I think it's jasmine. I think it smells, it's like orange jasmine. So during the flowering season a few months ago, in the morning I would wake up and go to the plant and I <gasps> breathe in the <laughs> really sweet smell of the kamuning. Ah, love it. What else? Um, I think yun muna. Um, yun na muna ang kwento ko na maliliit na shrubs come in indoors i sorry indoors and in your small garden all right everyone we're about halfway through the interview just wanted to check in with our katanumers and see what any of you guys thought so far thanks for that interview albert it was very interesting to learn more about native tree species the past few episodes, we're talking mostly about the the plants, the vegetables that we plant in our, in our gardens, our farms. But I haven't really thought about having native tree species in, you know, small urban gardens or small farms. There's so many things from Leanne's interview that I feel like it's, it's nothing that I I heard about it for the first time. I'm also a member of Haribo and I've done a few tree walks with them. But it's really interesting how uh, she talks about native tree species as, as part of our heritage, as part of our culture. Because I think for me, for the longest time, I've, I had this, and we mentioned it a couple of episodes ago, plant blindness hindi tayo masyadong familiar with the the with identifying the species of plants we think it's for nerds you know we think it's for weird people or scientists lang um, but uh, with a little bit of exposure with with an environmental organization and people like 
Lian, it's really nice that they, they, they're able to connect these three species into our culture, into our heritage. Because parts are living exhibits or museums. And, and they also have some sort of record of the way we live and how our, our you know, ancestors live. Um, so for me, siguro, that's, that's one thing that, that really struck me na hindi lang nakikita sa libro or nakikita sa like what you discuss in history classes or whatever. We also have this uh, living museums outside and there are native species. Uh, I totally agree, Roselle. Um, I've read about native trees and you know how beneficial they are and how they support whole ecosystems. That's very important. But when Leanne mentioned how native trees hold and protect our stories as a people, like our cultural stories, that really hit home. I mean, that's beautiful. Cultural stories, culinary for one, like uh, Leanne mentioned, but also other kinds of stories that hold the richness of our history and our culture. For example, and this is purely hypothetical, you have an indigenous elder who's telling the story of their village, right? And there's a, a native tree there that's very important to their history. Like it, it saved their people from a certain disease maybe, right? So you have this story and it's passed on through oral tradition from generation to generation. And then imagine that specific native tree in the story becomes extinct. So the story loses its grounding in reality somehow. So it's different to hear a story and then see that tree in your garden or public park or in a forest on a hike, right? The existence of the tree makes the story even more real and the message and lessons from that story more so. So, you know, if we lose the native trees, we also lose these very rich stories that inform our identities as a people, the, the richness of our culture. And that's really such a big loss. I'd like to build up on that because uh, from the native trees that we have, trees that were really based in our archipelago, um, we shared those trees also with na- nearby nations. And it's interesting enough because if you put it in a culinary standpoint, we have similar meals with our Asian neighbors. Mm-hmm. And like she mentioned, Diane mentioned something about souring agents like uh, katmon or um, tamarind. But here in Negros Island, we have batuan. And it makes our version of bulalo even yummier. We call it kansi. And then you just add a little bit of fish sauce and chopped chili peppers. It's the perfect sauce for that. And then you can just feel the marrow brought out because of that batuan. But I also look at it beyond culinary tradition. I mean, if you have native trees, when you chop down a tree, not because you want to chop down a tree, but you have to build a community with it or share it with other people, there's a smell to the bark, to the wood. And maybe those um, characteristics attract those birds, those insects, those peoples together. The parts of the trees, the fruits of the trees, the leaves of the trees, probably they were made into elaborate headdress, I mean headgears. They could have been made into beads, furniture, and this really has a big cultural impact. But we don't know because a lot of these were destroyed with colonization and other matters. 
similar to the fact that we are seeing a depletion in the web that support that is supported by these habitats, these plants for the insects and the birds. I also wanted to consider how young Lian is and how promising her sentiments are. I mean, I have to admit that I want to be called young, but if you consider her age, it might be seeing a disparity with at least a decade or so. And it makes you open up to the possibility that those that we are interviewing comprise that wide age range. And we all have a knowledge, a sympathy, and a longing to share with each other. Mm -hmm. And a different approach. Correct, correct. Because... I would think if you're more youthful, you're a little bit more aggressive, more ambitious, but that does not mean that your sentiment is misplaced. Mm -hmm. It is just there, but it may not be tainted or molded by the same kind of experience other people might have. Other other people might have very good experience, but they might not be able to show it or share it effectively as others. Also, Chinkin, um, I have a question since you went through med school, and I think you mentioned this in previous episodes. Uh, you studied, obviously, you have to study some biology. When she mentioned a bit about biodiversity, did it bring up some familiar terms or things that you learned um, in med school? Oh, definitely. I mean, I was there in Joanne when I was in first year in college. I took my, I chose environmental science for my first uh, natural science course. And admittedly, I learned so much from it. Not because I had to read the book and find um, scientific uh, vocabulary, but because it armed me with words to describe what, was, what I was already understanding or observing. Like when coal miners bring a canary bird with them in the mines and they see that the canary is not surviving or not doing very well, that's already a sign that the air is not so good and that they have to leave the mines. And the word they got there was biologic indicators. And these biological indicators, they work with one another. Even us humans will be biological indicators. Plants themselves will also be indicators. They can show signs of leaf withering, discoloration, even the quality of their bark might show signs. That's why when we get to see these majestic red foot, redwood forests abroad and cut them down, you get to see their aging. When you look at coral and take a cross-section of that coral, you get to see how the bleaching incident occurred, how long ago, or how many years ago another bleaching incident had occurred based on the anatomy of that object. So yeah, I learned a lot and it got to review me, especially with the biomes, um, she described repeatedly about the house of cards and how you need to have very good foundation. I mean, it's like a house. If you don't prepare the house very well, it will just collapse. And the very sensitive indicators in those webs interact with each other. And it forms a very powerful matrix. And the connections there, it's just not geometric. It's actually exponential. Yeah, speaking of biological indicators, actually what's happening right now with the pandemic, this is an indicator that our planet is in an imbalance, you know, that there are um, a lot of recent reports around how this pandemic is actually related to a lot of deforestation everywhere. 
And so this is a biological indicator in itself. We're not in a sustainable planet anymore. And um, yeah, you mentioned about the house of cards. It's sometimes it's really hard to visualize what biodiversity does for people and all the creatures in the planet. But she really describes it in, in a nice way that you have, you know, you have to have a base. And the base is really forests and plants, the habitat of, of, the, of the other creatures, diba? So, nagbibuild on to that. And so, kung wala na yung, yung ating forest covers or we are focusing more on exotic species or um, species that are not necessarily um, uh, adaptable to the to the to the country or to to the habitat mismo then it, it really changes everything so I think for me she's she did a really great job and she's doing all sorts of she said the wow workshops and 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 she loves sharing about uh, biodiversity and, and native trees so she that that way she, um, I, I felt rather hopeful and inspired by you know that she's 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 doing this and she's able to share it uh, in, in that very simple imagery um, just a reminder as well to our listeners as we talk about exotic species versus native species that you don't you don't have to feel guilty if all you have in your house or in your farm are all exotic or not necessarily indigenous to the area or the location don't don't worry about it because really at the 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 root issue on on the debate of using exotic or or native species is really about reforestation and bringing back ecosystem services and Chinkin and Russell touched upon it regarding uh, the pandemic and biological indicators we're slowly encroaching on our forests and the forests are you know we're, we're losing them and how do we bring it back how do we ensure the security of or you know how do we ensure that future pandemics don't happen these diseases these diseases don't transfer from wildlife to, to human beings. Well, we have to preserve the forest. So how do we preserve the forest? We, if we try to bring back the forest, we should use native trees. So that's where the debate really lies. If you can plot, you can have a pot or you, know, you can have a garden or even in your farm, you can plant what you want. But um, I think where this needs, needs to be negotiated well is in the reforestation programs um, because the exotic trees, unfortunately, don't really help um, bring back these, um, these Again, ecosystem services, these, these indicators of health for the forest and to ensure that a lot of these diseases and other, you know, climate change to ensure that the trees we plant actually can stay alive and resist the, the typhoons that come to a certain area the, that these trees can actually withstand, you know, those kind of pressures and that kind of climate. So native, that, that's, that's the push for native. And that's really, that, that, that's a government initiative and a lot of organizations are working on that. But feel free to plant, you know, what you want to plant. But with that said, you know, Russell has mentioned and everyone here has mentioned about plant blindness. It kind of, and, and Joe mentioned about the stories, our stories about here and our indigenous culture, our heritage. It's nice to look on the, on the other side. What, what local species do we have that we have overlooked and that we've essentially forgotten and have to relearn as, as, as a new generation? So thank you, Chinkin, for reminding us that, yes, there are young people who are championing <laughs> these causes, the millennials, as, as Leanne kind of self, you know, she, that's what she called herself, you know, a millennial. You know? 
So with that said, I guess um, let's move on to fin. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Joe. <laughs> yeah, I was just going to mention that in our food forest, we don't have like, you know, 100% native trees. We actually started with, you know, the fruits that we eat, <clears throat> excuse me, regularly, like star apple, uh, durian, what else? Jackfruit. And star apple is not native to the Philippines, you know, and I didn't know that. I thought it was like, oh, it's, you see it everywhere. It's probably from here, but if you research it, it's not. So after we've planted those trees, I was thinking to myself, you know, it's this food forest is not just for us, for the family. It's also for the wildlife. And for wildlife, it's best to have the native trees. And then that's when I really read up on, on what trees I can plant for the birds and for the other wildlife. And we actually have a tagpo. Leanne mentions it in, yes. in the interview. Yeah, yeah. So I'm like, wow, cool. Because <laughs> I didn't know that that the blueberry jam, the Good Shepherd blueberry jam is made of tagpo. So that, that was cool. If you ever make blueberry jam, please send it to us. <laughs> oh, we will. And some. <laughs> will do. do. Don't you have a kamuning then? Yes. yes. So now our trees are are like half half na half na or more more oh, native wow. na actually. Yeah. Yeah, I was thinking yeah, parang mm, is that even possible for urban gardens to have uh, native species here? Pero yun nga, Leanne mentioned about bonsai trees, native trees, and even wrens in the yeah. past episode. He tried um, growing them. Maybe I'll I'll try to research some more. Um, who's doing that? And you know, bonsai is you know a test of patience and character. Right. So, <laughs> um, but it will be nice. It will be nice. For example, I wanted to check, siguro, if we can grow the flowering ones, because um, mm. the ones that are available here from like the yung mga garden suppliers, yung mga I don't know, marigold and all sorts of, um, I think, non-native species. So I guess we, we can try to look for more native flowering or native fruit-bearing trees then. Yeah. Yeah, I think Ren still does the bonsai. He posts about them sometimes on his Instagram. Oh, they're, nice. they're beautiful, actually. Like, it's amazing to see them. Okay, sige. Well, bug rents for ano, some tips <laughs> on, on bonsai um, planting. Do you have fruit na in the tagpo? Tagpo tree? The tagpo, I got it. It was pretty big na, or, or medium size. So it had fruits when I first oh. got it. So Did you taste it na? Did you try it? Not yet because I'm waiting for the birds to, <laughs> to yeah. get to it first. I think there's also a rodent in the lot. So if we see a rodent not dead, it should be fine. So yeah. <laughs> Do you think it climbs the tree? I don't know. Well, they're picky. So I'll be surprised. I would freak out if I saw a rat perched. <laughs> Just perched on there. That those berries must be good. Yeah. <laughs> or the rat has good taste. <laughs> How about Aratidis? Aratiris not fruit. Aratiris is not native, actually. Okay. Yeah. No way! I didn't yeah. know that. Yeah, Dubai, they're so common. People oh, oh. grow up with it. 
Yeah, I climbed climb when I was a kid and I love the, the small um, fruits then. Yes. There, it's called strawberry tree <laughs> or cotton candy tree, apparently. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. It's so sweet, right? It's, it is sweet, but it's so small with like a lot of tiny seeds in it. I was wondering, uh, when you guys climbed the tree or grew up eating the fruit, was the fruit always consistent? Did it have like a sandy texture? Did you eat the leathery skin? How how did you enjoy your aratilis? What do you mean? Parang pan- I don't know because a lot of people say that you know they can just pop them in their mouth and crush it and spit out the excess. Some people just say that you can eat everything. I eat everything. Yeah. <laughs> I know me. I just pop it and then eat all the seeds and then spit out the skin. Okay. I don't like the skin so much. But the 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 seeds inside and the that um a sap or I don't know what this mm-hmm. is called. Um or the, the flesh not the like flesh, the fruit. yeah, oh. the flesh of the fruit. Um I, I love it. If it's really red, um yeah. Mm. If, if you're young it's it's like the best thing ever. <laughs> Can I mention something about a botany class I had back in college? Sure. So um, at the end of the semester, we had to submit like a thesis on a particular plant that you know astonished us. And I randomly chose a plant, and it, I knew it was a native tree because it belonged to the native tree catalog in the course. It was called um, Pitosporum resiniferum, locally known as Hanga in the Cordillera region. Hi. And the fruit of it, you slice it, and then the sap, you put a lighter near it, and it ignites, and it's fuel. Wow. And it blew my mind because the opportunity for me to have touched a plant came when there was an opportunity for my blockmate going back to Baguio for the weekend, coming back home and saying, hey, Chinkin, this is what Hangat looks like. So I tried it out and then it did ignite and it was awesome. And the native cheese that we have, it's just really not for bark, for leaf. It's even fuel. And this is knowledge known by our ancestors because that block blockmate of mine happened to be Kankane or one of those um, northern region tribes. And they knew the value of that plant. And it was so amazing because I didn't know anything about it. But out of random selection, I knew something about it. I wrote a small thesis about it. And I still remember it to this day. And touching it made it more yes. real for you, right? Yes. It, it seemed like a little plum, very leathery skin, very plump. It looked like a giant olive, the fruit. And it was not just one olive, but it looked like a bunch of grapes from a wow. big branch. And it's like, if this tree bears fruit regularly, that is a constant source of combustible fuel. Mm-hmm. And that's valuable, I would, I would think. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. And even for Batuan, our souring agent here, John and I have tried to innovate and we've converted it into something like umeshu, um, J- Japanese plum wine, ume, plum. Yeah. And we, we mix it with our solvent. We chose vodka and lots of rock sugar and then we cure it. It's now on its ninth month. Yeah. It cures for 12 <laughs> months and we're excited to try it out when it matures in the first year. Yeah. But yeah. That's really cool. <laughs> You're making wine that in. <laughs> Native wine pa. Native wine pa. You know that hanga tree story is 
amazing. So I just googled it quickly. It's also called petroleum nut. Petroleum oh, nut. That's right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's amazing. It's really used for as a hydrocarbon source since the 1900s. Wow. That's Why am- don't we know that, right? You know, yeah. you know, I, that's something I would like to learn as a grade school student. Yeah. So this is knowledge that will be lost if that tree gets becomes extinct, right? That's it's. I, I'm really amazed by that tidbit that Leanne mentioned that the stories that the trees hold and carry for us, so, right? Anyway, I hope our viewers can see. But <laughs> this used to be a clear solution inside a big glass jar. And the batuan is color green. And if I keep swirling on it, it really looks like whiskey-like. Very syrupy. Oh, it looks good. Yeah. We, we, we're going to share. Don't worry. But, yeah. <laughs> so when the pandemic is over, you guys come over and we'll celebrate. <laughs> well, how did you learn to do that? The rock salt and all that stuff? Oh, the, the, the rock sugar is... A sugar palette. Yeah, the rock sugar is a condiment in Japanese grocery. And it's their way of preserving the fruit. I mean, you really have to pay respects to the Japanese because they really revere their seasons. And if it's the season for the plum-bearing fruit, obviously you have a lot of harvest. The rest that you need to will probably get wasted or get thrown away. They pickle them. And part of pickling, like um, when you open your bento box, you have this white rice in a square and then you have a sour plum in the middle that's the pickled plum that's the ume and then it looks like the japanese flag but to not waste the excess they put them in alcohol it depends on which one you want you can use gin you can use other solvents again and then loads of sugar as the preservative so that it doesn't get contaminated but you just really have to prepare it well you know, I've been reading about this this book on I don't I, f- I keep forgetting the title, the one uh, Ika Ika guy Ika guy Ikigai. Ikigai. sorry Ikigai. Um, there's a book that studies um, why certain areas, certain villages in Japan have like long long lives like centenarians and they're like if you're if you live there you're young if you're 80 and like their their average age is 100 and one of the things that's actually one of the factors that they the researchers think that contribute to the long life of the Japanese in these villages is that they have their own vegetable gardens. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure you've noticed that when you were in Japan. Yeah. They're really very, they, they tend to their, to their gardens every day. That's part of their exercise. And they're also very, like they, they really know how to, what to do with their plants. Like study it, do all these pickles, uh, pickled um, food with it. Yeah, it's really interesting. Maybe we can... And we yeah. also talked about the Miyawaki method last time also. So there yeah. are a lot of things we can learn from the Japanese. The Japanese, <laughs> the Japanese and nature. They're, yeah, they... They're really in tune with nature. I think that's Okinawa, that, that village or that mm-hmm. island, right? Yeah. An island. Are you guys watching Cobra Kai? On Netflix? No, we haven't. But, you know. <laughs> no. Did, did you watch Karate Kid? Yes. 
Okay. Yeah. yeah, you should. I recommend it. Um, why am I bringing this up again? Uh, <laughs> oh yeah, because it's open hours. Open hours. But by the way, there's also bonsai. There's bonsai in Cobra Kai. So I'm not sponsored by Netflix or Cobra Kai, but if any of the two are interested in sponsoring, let us know. Uh, you can contact us at Tanum Tuesdays. <laughs> anyway. I wonder what happened because my grandparents or my grand aunts, um, they lived an hour south of Bacolod in a town in a city called Hinigaran, and they were educators there. So, chances are, if you walk in the in the Plaza Square and talk to a random seventy-year-old, they would know them as their teachers who taught them home economics, English, and other subjects, and. There was really a culture of planting in that area when I was growing up and visiting every Sunday. Um, I don't know what happened. Why are people not planting anymore? Are we just so reliant on the farmer or the marketplace? Groceries. Groceries. Yeah. The yeah. convenience. People got busy. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I guess the pandemic is slowing people down. And that's why now people have time to become plantitos and plantitas. I think it's a start. I think it's a good start. It's a good start. I think it's a restart. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I completely agree with that. Yeah. And, and also, if you have a liquor ban, what? I mean, you can, just, <laughs> you can make your own. <laughs> oh, perfect. Like moonshine prohibition. So, <laughs> you know, why not use, I know you know, chinkin butuan. 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 And use your fruit. I'm sure you could probably make a cum. Kamsi? Or I'm sorry, Kamsi? Oh no, sorry. Kamsi. Kamsi. Different. What's that? Uh, Kamyas pala. Kamyas. We talked about that no, too. We have made it. Remember? Oh, yeah. It's still curing. That it's maybe five months old. We also made. So we're, we're doing it. <laughs> oh, so what other, what other, do you have rums? Do you have <laughs> not yet, not yet. But we could. <laughs> but uh, the concept really is it should be a party fruit. Because if it's too sweet, it just might decompose quickly, and um, sour sour party citrusy. They the sugars decompose slowly, and you know it doesn't. The transformation is not too abrupt that it may ruin the mixture. But yeah, we've made for kamyas and for batuan, and we hope it turns out well. So to any of you listeners, if you know anyone who knows how to make liquor or alcohol from native fruits or just fruits in general, let us know. Maybe we'd like to interview you. Um, <laughs> and also, if you know anyone who, who tends to bonsai trees, let us know. <laughs> in the last half of my interview with Leanne, I asked her where we could actually find examples of native plants and trees, how to identify them, where we can buy them, and how we can continue to learn more. Uh, and I really, really enjoy doing, and I miss doing now because I can't go out this pandemic, but I really loved walking around parks. So if you live in Quezon City, you can walk around Nino Parks and Wildlife. Um, in UP Diliman, they have several parks, the Washington Seasip Park, the EDC Binhi Park, the MSI Gift Park. So yon, <laughs> if you study or work in Ateneo, Ateneo is an interesting place too. Um, campuses, yeah, campuses are great. Um, in Makati naman, there's also another, there's also a Washington Seasip Park there. And the great thing about the Washington Seasip Parks is they have labels. So even if you didn't know names of the plants, 
you can go there and read the labels, read the signs, their name tags, so to speak. Um, and then you can search them online if you want to learn more. But basically, the name really helps because we won't, um, or it's, it's, we won't remember, or it's rare that we'll remember a tree that we don't know a name of. We'll just say it's the tree. That's also part of um, what I advocate for. I want people to learn that trees aren't all malaking puno, malit na puno. Iba-iba sila. And we, we would do tree walks before that lakad lang kami, tapos hawakan namin yung leaves na i-compare namin. Okay, yung leaf na to, waxy siya. Yung leaf na to, magaspang siya. Or aamoyin. Or medyo, yung iba ang nag ng trees. <laughs> Ikaw, trip mo. <laughs> yung iba-iba kami ng mga trip. Um, but anyway, you connect with the tree, you learn its name, and then it will be in your consciousness even more. So yeah, walk around parks, especially the EDC or Energy Development Corporation, Binhi Parks, because they have not just the names, but also an explanation. Um, I think they have an EDC Binhi in Los Baños, UP Los Baños, and also in UP Diliman. And they're trying to make more of that because it's the freest um, resource that you'll have. You're just walking, you're relaxing, you're breathing in the fresh air, and you're learning too. Or if you don't want to read, that's fine. At least you're, you're seeing the trees around you. So that's one. Walk around your parks, walk around your schools. Um, even memorial parks have great trees. You can take a picture of them. And then if they don't have labels, what I suggest is, what I um, discovered just recently is there are apps for identifying plants. So the iNaturalist um, app, you can take a picture of the leaf and um, they'll give you suggestions of what it might be. And then you can do your own research, find out if it is the name. Hi. So that's the free one that you can do if you can go out. But since we are stuck in our homes, one uh, another place you can go to is online. Um, the there is a Facebook group called Philippine Native Tree Enthusiasts. If you're enthusiastic about trees, I love our name. I love the name of the group because it really embodies what it is. We're just happy when we get together. We're just ah, puno, puno. <laughs> we're just really enthusiastic about trees, enthusiastic about picking seeds and stuff like that. Um, so you can uh, join the Facebook group. It's free. Philippine Native Tree Enthusiasts, and there are regional groups also. Uh, like I think there's one in Visayas for Palawan, for Mindanao, Nabunturan, even um, up north in Luzon. I think they have one Pangasinan or something. But um, it's a way for people to connect with people near them in their province, and they can talk in, uh, and they can talk about the native names also, and that really preserves the culture because the older ones who are in Facebook, connect with the millennials and the young ones on Facebook. Ah, ganito pala yung pangalan yan. And um, it's a way for us to identify trees too. Like, I can upload, uh, I saw this tree in this park, I'll post a picture. Can anyone help identify? Then somebody would say, ah, may ganyan kami sa ganitong probinsya, ganito ang tawag namin sa ganyan. Tapos may ibang sasagot na, ah, iba yung tawag namin dyan, ginagamit ng pang sinigang, o pang, ginagamit yan ng lola ko para sa pagmasakit yung ulo niya. It, it's a it's a place where we really find out a wider or have a wider audience and a wider citizen science 
um, location, revenue to learn about trees and share about trees. And Albert, you remember too, right? <laughs> you know, you know <laughs> how enthusiastic we are about trees. <laughs> anyway, so that's a uh, Philippine native tree enthusiast. Another one uh, for the more academic uh, of us would be cause digital flora of the Philippines. So uh, if you go, um, like if you climb mountains and you see a lot of native um, plants or shrubs, not just trees, that's a good venue to post the picture. And there are more um, academics and experts in the field of botany who are there and they're willing to identify and help you learn more about these plants. And the, the difference of Kos Digital Flora of the Philippines is that they have another website that it's called um, philippineplants.net, I think. And it is a more formal, what do you call that? Uh, catalog. It's a catalog of all pictures that have been gathered by citizen science, scientists. Um, in our digital world, we need lots of digital scientists. And so, sorry, citizen scientists to just have a wider scope, wider um, source of information. And we can gather that in a clean and neat, organized way that everybody can have access to. So you don't have to buy the book. It's all online. So plant, you can search uh, philippineplants.net or philippineplants.org or Coast Digital Flora of the Philippines. Um, what else? One more venue or, yeah, one more venue to learn and have a community to be around for learning about plants and trees are joining organizations. So one of the first organizations that I joined was Haribon. That's where uh, Albert, uh, I actually yeah, met, met Albert through there, my sister worked in Haribon, so I joined some of their activities and it was really fun to be around people who understand your weirdness. Oh, I like touching plants. Because <laughs> not everybody understands that. You look really weird. So when you find your tribe, when you find your people who do the same thing, it's, um, it's good for the soul. <laughs> you don't feel super weird that you pick up seeds or you want to learn about these things. And through the this uh, digital age, you I'm so happy that there are more people that are sharing about this kind of um, passion that they have. So anyway, that's a Haribon Foundation. Other groups that you can join are Philippine Native Plants Conservation Society Incorporated, PNP CSI. Uh, so these uh, this group is more. There are a lot more academics there than um, simple enthusiasts, but there we welcome everybody anybody who wants to learn about plants and conservation of plants it was founded by leonard ko the premier botanist of the philippines who yeah was sadly assassinated 10 years ago but we continue his legacy in conserving conserving philippine plants um you can join volunteer activities like um for sometimes up mountaineers has activities right now it's on hold but up mountaineers Follow their our Facebook group or our Facebook page, UPM Green is Good. We're on Instagram and on Facebook, Green is Good. And also Eco Explorations. I'm part of um, Eco Explorations too, and we organize group tours to 
conservation areas where you can learn and a big part of it's not just the tourism it's ecotourism and education if you want to learn and have fun eco explorations is a good venue what else yeah i think uh let's explore the resources that we have online go on facebook join the groups look for your tribe it's not uh, offline anymore you'll find each other online my last question for you leanne is um how can people find you um because you have your own nursery, you're also providing people with your seedlings, you sell seedlings as well. Um, can people access um, some of these seedlings or these seeds? And where can they find you online? So I'll, I'm on Facebook, but more actively on Instagram. It's at Kali Kasan, K-A-L-E-E-K-A-N-N. Kalikasan, except my name is put in there with a double E and a double N. So I'm on Instagram. I post about native trees. I try to put like little tutorials there and something to help you um, identify trees that you have. Um, I try to preserve the culture and try to put um, the stories of native trees on there for people who don't have access to all the books. And I think it's a wider audience. I love the community that we have on Instagram. Yeah, it's very welcoming and very open to information. So I'm on Instagram at Kalikasan and on Facebook also. And I, all, I really encourage you, if you are interested in plants, you join the Philippine Native Plants, I, sorry, Philippine Native Tree Enthusiasts. Enjoy reading all the things there or Coast Digital Flora of the Philippines. Even if you don't contribute, if you don't post, being, being a lurker, you'll learn something new or find something. You'll find out that there are plants that have a flower that look like this that you've never seen. So even if you don't go outside, you'll see plants around you. You'll see plants on your Facebook feed. So let's add more green to that. Um, so you can, uh, if you were interested in buying seeds or seedlings, uh, I mostly um, sell seedlings. You can contact me through my Instagram or... Um, I can connect you to other nurseries that are near you because it's really difficult to um, transport seedlings now, especially now. So if we can find a nursery that's in your province, that's better. Um, I think um, many of your audience members are from Visayas, so I encourage you to join Visayas Native Tree Enthusiasts or Visayas Philippine Native Tree Enthusiasts. There are experts there that I really love. Um, Dr. Georgine Primavera is one of them who really actively, you know, I'm really surprised sometimes Now somebody asks a simple question, how to germinate this plant? And she would answer in an essay, like a way, or really step-by-step step guiding you through the process and giving you all the information that she has. And I love these people. They're so generous with what they know. They, they give all their time because it's in their heart. So you'll find people like that online. Yeah, and I'm hoping to continue to be like that, to be like them. Um, my idols online, Maria Dayan, Georgian Primavera, Sel Tungol. These are um, my, let's say, mentors. Also, Ronald Achacoso. Mga shout, shout out to no? <laughs> Anthony Arbias. So there are experts online. You don't have to buy all the books. There, as long as you find the community that is willing to help you out that is generous with their knowledge you'll go on and uh, have a fruitful plantita life or plantito life and um yeah start small find a plant or um 
in your neighborhood, foster it, make it grow, and maybe you can find a permanent home for it. And um, I, there's a, there was a quote that I saw on Instagram recently in this, pan time, in this time of the pandemic and it's easy to lose hope in doing something good, in continuing your advocacy because you can't go outside. And there's so many barriers to what you want to do. Um, but um, I try to keep the hope going. I try to plant seeds of hope every once in a while so I can continue with this. And this quote struck me recently. Um, Society grows great when old men plant trees whose shade they know they shall never sit in. Planting trees is a really long-term process or it's a work of patience. You don't always reap the rewards in your lifetime, but you keep in your heart that hope that somebody else will appreciate it and that the benefits will come after your time. And it's coming from a good place because it's not for you, it's for society, it's for somebody else. And it's a very selfless thing to do when you plant a tree. I, I like how you're really encouraging people to think bigger than them, no? It's bigger than who we are as uh, individuals. And um, thank you for really pushing people to connect, to connect with each other through these online forums and through you and through your Instagram, Kalikasan. I'll add all these listings into our Facebook group and I'll also send it to you, Lian, para you can also make sure natama yung what I placed there. And you could even add more, no? Um, so with that said, thank you for your time, Lian. Thank you, Albert, for the opportunity. I, I, I love doing these things, even if I'm busy. And thank you for this venue na medyo mas naging soulful nga yung labas ng interview natin instead of, um, it's, it's, yeah, I think that's what will connect or what, that's what will start people coming from you know, having that passion and that heart and the rest of the skills will come after. So Leanne mentioned just now about the different places, the different places that you can you can find native trees. I think most of what she mentioned were in Metro Manila, um, but maybe that's another question for for you guys who are in, in in Negros. Maybe there are some places there, or maybe Rosel, or those of us who have you know grew up. Do we remember any green spaces that we remember as being a place of you know a lot of nature, a lot of greenery in general? regardless if there's native trees. So any thoughts on that or just in general, the, the second part of Leanne's interview? Yeah, I was, I was telling Chinkin, because in, in Bacolod, the lagoon, what do you call it there? Just the lagoon? The lagoon. Yeah, the lagoon. It has a lot of trees. You, you guys have seen it, right? Yeah. And, I was telling, and that's where I used to jog in the morning. And I would, there's actually a Nara tree there. Every morning, I forget what month it is that the Nara has fruits, the pods. But every morning, I look up and I watch out for the pods to fall <laughs> if they fall. And then, you know, I'm just like that weird jogger who picks up these Nara pods <laughs> while running. But you were able to germinate, right? Yes, yes. And I have a small bottle of seeds. Because in the pod, you, you've done this, right, Albert? Like you take out the pod and then the seeds are inside. Sometimes one or two in each pod. Anyway, I was telling Chinkin that uh, Sana it's also labeled like what Lian was talking about. And he said they're actually labeled. They are. Um, they have like 
bindis or like belly button rings <laughs> attached to their trunks. And they have identification based on scientific name. Yeah, and they planted. So I think that's a good initiative by the yeah. by the province. That's good they made that effort. So that people yeah. jogging can really see the I know, the species. What species they are. Don't you do you remember if in Marikina they also have labels? Because we would go to Marikina as well by the riverside and they have a lot of bagras there. The um the rainbow tree, how do you call mm, it yeah. again? Um but I don't remember if they have labels. No, no labels. No labels, no. Sayang, cause they even have a go deba. And if if you're not familiar with the trees, then it's you're it's just like a random land, random green thing there. And that's one of the things also that I like about because um, when you go to certain areas, for example, in the universities she mentioned here in Manila, meron naman, may mga labels naman. Um, it it really helps, but it would be great if it's such a, if it's um if it's done on a in a bigger scale, like. I was thinking, like, what if I just go around and then just try to identify the trees? <laughs> Alam mo yon. May mga dito, merong naradito. Sometimes I would ask him, "What is this tree?" Does he would be able to identify? Albert would be able to identify. I don't know if you, if it's gonna be illegal if we just put like, <laughs> Alam mo yon, placard, handwritten, yeah. uh, with some nice, ano, de ba? Pwede ba yon? It's an initiative. Was I, oh, with was the permission. <laughs> we have to get permission from the barangay, you know, or something. Yeah, and they'd probably be interested. Yeah, because oh, yeah. I'm gonna take their job. Oh, <laughs> I'm gonna do their job. <laughs> oh. And we have andaming Nara. Well, people know pretty much. Well, maybe not we all. Know. Maybe the elders would. The elders would know should what. be. Able. And Duhat. You were able to identify Oh, yeah, the Duhat I love here. Duhat. Oh, oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. Kaya lang parang nahihiya ako dun sa sari-sari store where the duhat yeah. is. Ganun din, parang maghihintay lang ako sa mahuhulag na <laughs> fruits. But yeah, there are a few old trees also in our neighborhood. Pero parang, of course, people don't really pay attention. I mean, the, the popular, there's a lot in our neighborhood actually. Talisay. Well, I guess every Philippine, every neighborhood, you know, would have, I mean, I'm sure in Bacolod, as you guys mentioned, you have Nara. But here, I could already, Antipolo. We have the Talisay, we have the Duhat, we have Nara. I guess those are the only four that I could, I was able to tell because the leaf. But mm. I don't know. What about you guys? Any besides Nara, were you able to see any or see uh, any more tagpo <laughs> somewhere <laughs> elsewhere? What What else have we seen elsewhere? I Talisay think... is everywhere here. Mm-hmm. What else? Sugar cane. <laughs> 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 Okay, right. acacia, lots of that, but you know that's for the caterpillars. But you know, there's also the um, the African tulip tree. You guys are familiar with that. No. It has. It looks like a fire tree, but yes, it's not. It's or it has orange flowers. It's it's they have very beautiful flowers, and they're everywhere here in Bacolod. But their flowers are. It's not native. That's the name, African tulip tree. The their flowers, the nectar is toxic to our to our native bees. Oh no! Yeah, yeah. And, so. Oh, I think we've seen this before. 
Yeah, maybe. We might have seen this somewhere. I think I've seen this in Cebu. African tulip tree. This is very, very nice yung flowers nila eh. And they grow fast and they're pretty strong. Like you cut off a whole tree, like the whole trunk and everything. And you shoot from the It branch. will just yeah. grow again. Like you really have to take out the roots and yeah. And um, the growth is pretty aggressive. It grows really straight and then it will make little branches all in one side, maybe eight of them. And then all those eight new branches will cover the canopy of the tree beside it, covering the sunlight for that tree, and it will grow even taller. You know, I think, I think Albert, do you remember? Is this one of the trees I asked your friend to identify? I don't remember anymore. But when I mentioned the roots, I feel like I feel like someone said that to me. Like you have to take out the roots. Yeah. But yeah. It has to be removed in <laughs> yeah. total from the ground. Yeah. And then uh, it's also one of the pioneers. Pioneer plant. Do you call it a pioneer plant even if it's not native? Not sure. I would think of it as a pioneer plant if it were one of the first plants to yeah. thrive yeah. or germinate yeah. in lot that was freshly burned mm-hmm. from kaingin or whatnot. Yeah, I think that's that's the same term that our foresters use for when they say pioneer species. It's usually the first, the first trees that will come out from a, a yeah a, a fresh lot. Um, Binunga. Binunga is common also here around around Baholod. Um, it's a pioneer species. So and the birds love it. Yeah, lots of birds. You can have a pied fantail, you can have a sunbird. A Philippine magpie. You can have the swift tails. Even a Philippine uh what do you call that? Philippine, Philippine kuka. Right. And <laughs> um, it's exciting because you know it shades us, it's our shade where our well, well our well is our so while you're pumping the well, you can just look at the birds. Because the birds are chirping at you in reply to the squeaking noises your pump is making. <laughs> That's right. And <laughs> adds to the ambience. Uh-huh. So the benunga, is that the tree with very big leaves? Or it's yeah. okay. It, do, do you remember the sign the genus name? Is it makar maka something? Ah, <laughs> uh, yes, makarang makaranga something. Okay. Yeah, you're, yeah. Uh, Russell, our researcher, <laughs> just brought it Fantastic, up. Guys. Macaranga tanarius. Okay. Yeah. Because I'm, it's actually, really... I'm actually happy that we're leveling up because we're fact-checking as we speak. <laughs> so that's pretty right? good credibility. <laughs> I think that's officially Russell. Thank you, Russell, for fact-checking. Because there's another pioneer species, Takip Asin, that our organization uses in, um, in a new tree planting site. They, we plant a lot of takip asin because it does exactly that, what Chinkin mentioned, that it grows up and then it spreads out and provides shades for other wildlings and seedlings. Um, for some trees, that's a bad thing. For, for others, it's a good thing, if, especially if it's planned out. But yun, it's a takip asin is a, um, another native species similar to binunga, actually the same genus. And um, one more fun fact, actually, it's there are some indigenous peoples groups from Saislos and Mindanao who use the takip asin leaves. Uh, they're huge, so they use them as plates <laughs> or they use them like, uh-oh. That's a good alternative. Yeah, same with binunga. They use it to wrap, right? To wrap food. Another thing that stood out for me with, like, in, in Lian's interview is, and now we're talking about all these trees, 
Like, I, I really wish that we have more green spaces mm. in the cities. I'm, I'm, I, of course, Bacolod is still very green. Um, but here in Manila, we, in during this time when I wish I could, you know, walk around safely and have some, you know, like ex- be exposed to some fresh air and, and like, maybe read a book under a, a, a tree. Parang, I can't find anywhere that's near. I mean, the, the nearest one for us is Marikina. And um, it was nice to be there, see some of the bagras trees. We saw a, a few birds. Um, but yeah, it's not always available. It, I mean, hopefully every other or every two village or so would have some some public space where we have all these trees and yeah we can unplug from the internet or like just have that you know nice walk with nature so yon parang it kind of triggered that for me like shock sana merong ganon like almost that, that's more accessible to more people because it also helps with like physical health and also mental health then it makes a big difference to, you know, there's the, what we call the OWL place, which is the Biodiversity Conservation Center. They had a hatch right, of a few, Talarac, a few, a few days ago. Foundation. It, it makes such a huge difference to be able to just walk a few minutes and then you, you get to see wildlife, flora and fauna from all around the island. When I think about part two of Leanne's talk, I can't help but think of part one especially on the upbringing part because she mentioned that she grew up in the farm in San Mateo Rizal and you know not everyone can have that luxury but it doesn't make you a better person compared to others but I think it allows you to be more zen Mm. allowing you to commune with nature you know getting your hands dirty contributing to your part in trying to nurture the land and propagate it Mm -hmm. and I think that same sentiment will really have a relaxing and soothing effect for the soul, regardless of age. And the earlier we get to do that, the more lasting the impression is for our kids and for our younger generation. Yes, I I totally agree. Like I I always tell Chinkin because I grew up in Manila, right? So when we moved to Bacolod, I was just so amazed by all the green, right? And I was I kept on telling him before and still now I think about it sometimes. Like if I grew up here, I'd probably be like a biologist or a conservationist, right? Because it really affects your life decisions, you know, if you're if you're surrounded by nature and you develop a relationship with nature, then it informs your your life choices. Thank you. Thank you for that. <laughs> Welcome to Bacolod. <laughs> Thank you for choosing Bacolod, number one most livable city in the Philippines. Fact checker. Fact checker, can you check? Number one, ba? <laughs> but that, that brings me actually to another question. Um, I, I was curious about you guys in your alma maters, your schools, whether it be from elementary to to high school, to, to college. Did you have a lot of greenery? I, I know that a lot of universities um, have a lot of greenery. They, they tend to have a nice landscaping. Um, maybe uh, you can tell us, any of you guys can start and tell us more about, about your life as a student surrounded by, by nature. Well, I went to Maine for college. 
so you know just really full of trees and then when it's fall everything's orange very beautiful but my appreciation of nature was just up to that you know like wow it's so beautiful <laughs> so the leaves are so crunchy when i walk on them but but that was it i think it's because you know i grew up not really being close to nature like growing up i was always told you know like don't touch soil that's so dirty you're going to have worms right so so yeah and actually i also studied in in hong kong before college and that was my very first time to go this i was 16 it's my very first time to go hiking on a real mountain and then go camping should i be embarrassed that i'm no, saying no. that congratulations <laughs> so great but you know it was just like i was It's it was a, such an eye opening experience, and I still remember it very clearly. It rained when we got to the top of the mountain, and then I was, I was, I was um hiking. Like my partner was someone from Argentina, Sabrina, and she was just so you know we would stop every so often. She'd be like, "Oh, this is so beautiful. This is just like." It's it's amazing, you know, like that that appreciation that I never felt when I was younger, because I was just distanced from it. I I finished grade school and high school in La Salle Bacolod, and I would have a lot of fond memories under trees. We would usually pick up pili nuts, break them apart, and eat them raw. We would look for water bombs. We'd pick them up. Throwing them at each other at the rain during recess. Um, there are always a lot of acacia trees, and these trees, notoriously in August, would have so many caterpillars. And these are the caterpillars that really had those furry, allergic, very reactive reactions to the skin. And In terms of fruit, not much. It was just really for the shade, and it would be picturesque because sometimes you would see an entire class reading a storybook under it. So that's very fun. Uh, for college, I got to transfer to Ateneo, and the campus there is pretty green, and the observatory there would be an ideal place to observe that. So yeah, I think I've had a very nice uh, experience with medical school. Everything is just desolate. You know, as desolate as a cadaver, but your focus of learning is different. <laughs> It's so funny. Chenkin uh, mentioned the the caterpillars in in the acacia trees. Kasi ganon din yung experience ko in Pangasinan. Sometimes it's also our we would tease each other with the caterpillar. Pa yung ano mo pa siya? Yung you you gonna get it from the tree? Tapos. Tapos <laughs> may web siya ng konti, tapos i-ano mo pa siya, you're gonna threaten your classmate with it. Na parang, oh, hindi mo ako bibigyan ng notes or something. or Like, it's really, kapag dumikit sa skin mo, it gives you this, oh, it's super itchy and it stings a bit and it's super nasty and you have to get like vinegar from the canteen yeah. or something. I mean, just you can get anything it. these days already from the clinic. But yeah, it's really reactive. Yeah. Kaya nga parang nahigad ako, di ba? Oo. It yeah, it's it's funny because yeah, we we do the same too. Um I was I went to um a public high school in Pangasinan and it was huge. The campus was huge. We were what 7,000 students. 
in a small town. And yeah, we would do our assignments under the tree, mango, acacia, whatsoever. We would have, um, we would get together with friends, hang out there. It's very nice. And, and when I moved to Manila um, and, and studied in UP Deleman, it's, it's all green also. And I was also thinking back then, but of course I was very focused on, you know, academic stuff. But I was thinking back then, like if it was a different campus, if it was a campus that's, you know, a little bit more urban or like it's really close to the, the main thoroughfares. I'm not going to say schools now, <laughs> but I feel like it's not going to be as pleasant for me. Because at least back in UP, when I go from one class to another, I can walk and have some a, a quick breather, um, and then walk in the path uh, pathways not under the tree and it's shaded. So it was really nice. But yeah, I wasn't paying attention to the trees back then. I couldn't identify the plants. And it was funny because when I did the tree walk in UPMSI, Marine Science Institute, there was, it was actually, what is it again? A place where they have all the, how do you call it? Sorry. It's like a, they called it a mini showcase of native trees. Yes, that's the one. And they had it there. And then that's where I learned more about this species and I was like, okay, when I was here, I wasn't even paying attention to this particular site in UP. Um, it was nice that, you know, that Leonard Ko, who, who Leanne mentioned also in the, the interview, that's, that's also their way of making the native species closer to people. Kung hindi man nila makita in the forest, at least it's there. It's kind of in a sort of a living museum of sorts. Um, so that was nice. Um, yeah. So, so thank you, everyone. Um, How about so, you, Albert? Oh, about me. Oh, sorry. You didn't go um, to school? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't go to school, no. Um, let's see. Actually, it's, it's funny because my exposure, to, my exposure to trees wasn't really in school in, in college, when I went to SF State, there's a lot of greenery, but yun nga, it's in San Francisco, so it's very, very urban. Parin. I just remember buildings more than the trees, unfortunately. How far but, away is SF State from the greenery in San Francisco? Remember, is it Yerba Buena or that's a different place? Uh, Golden Gate Park, yata. Something like that, something like that yes. Yeah. Is that pretty far away? No, actually, it, oh, thank you for bringing that up. So there's that. There's that park, Golden Gate Park. That's about, oh gosh, I don't remember anymore. I would say just a 20-minute ride, a 20-minute okay. drive, which is short in, well, I don't know. Yeah, I guess in general. So 20-minute ride north of, of the campus. So that I remember visiting because I love, yeah, thank you for bringing that up actually. Yeah, so not at my school mismo, but at, in Golden Gate Park, they have that, I forget how, just what, four miles, four by one, it's four miles by one mile of, how many kilometers is that? I don't know. But that's like their only big green space in San Francisco. And unfortunately, that's the format for most big cities in the U.S. You have Central Park in New York. You know, you, you have that. I guess even in the Philippines, there's also, also these designated green spaces like Burnham and Baguio. And then you have in Bacolod, you have what you mentioned earlier, the lagoon. And, um, but yeah, so unfortunately, that was my my student life not being definitely in just concrete jungle unfortunately my exposure to nature was actually near my house thank goodness because we lived um they, we called it the top of the hill this is in daily city naman 
uh, nearby San Francisco. And we had a cliff, a beautiful, just thinking about it now, I just miss it so much. We had a cliff, which unfortunately is an apartment complex. (laughs) But back then there were no houses on this cliff. Um, my neighbor and I, my neighbor Sam, he was Chinese American. We would go there, and um, I would, his mom would cook me like rice and eggs. His eggs just tasted so good. And then we would go out and we would look for caterpillars, and we would actually catch the caterpillars from all the leaves. And the, I didn't get exmo- a lot of exposure to trees. I got exposure to the species and the animals, and I guess that's how my naturalist kind of like upbringing came to be. So. Yeah, it just wasn't until I, I moved to the Philippines and I joined an environment organization that I realized, oh, there's so much more <laughs> to it than that, especially when it came to the trees and plants. So, so for those of you listening, hopefully you can recall <laughs> your, your upbringing or your schools that still have green spaces and green areas. Um, and hopefully when the pandemic is, hopefully when there's a vaccine and everything is um, kind of toned down a bit, we can all go back to these green areas. And hopefully those of you listening are a bit more enlightened on why native trees. And also you are further encouraged to look into our native plants to to add to your beautiful gardens and your farms. With that said, I actually wanted to mention, I actually have one more question actually for Joe, because Joe, uh, Joe, we want to congratulate you on finishing your permaculture designer course, correct? <laughs> Thanks, guys. <laughs> 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 Thank you. Can you can you share about that, Joe? Congrats, by the way. Share with us and our listeners how how that was like and any other thoughts you had about it your experience there thank you guys thank you uh so it's a it's a an online course that i started over the pandemic actually uh it's a certification to become a permaculture designer so permaculture basically is a design philosophy or framework that you can apply to farming or gardening but also to other parts of life really but permaculture itself is rooted in uh, the practices and knowledge of of indigenous peoples. Uh, it started, in, well, it started, of course, with the indigenous peoples, right? But the two, um, I guess, co-originators or co-founders of permaculture, they're from Australia, and they studied these um, practices, and then they just put them together and and called it permaculture, which is like the shortened uh, name for permanent agriculture. So it's based on on ecosystem principles and it's a way for people to harmoniously uh, live with nature and also support themselves with food that they grow and then, yeah. Congratulations. <laughs> yes, we should totally do a permaculture episode. With you <laughs> as our, our <laughs> No. <laughs> I'll be such a happy student. <laughs> so what are your next steps, Joe? Well, what now that you finished this course, do you have I'm guessing you have further plans to study more or you're going to cultivate a bit more in your in your forest in your um in so your- now i'm actually designing my very first permaculture class so i've just recent i've been bugging this guy They're like so what do you think what do you think <laughs> but i've decided on you know my i guess my target students 
and then I just have to structure the class and then announce it and then hold that very first class. So and then that will give me the teacher certification, naman, so per permaculture teacher certification. So th that's the plan. It's really to uh, share the permaculture knowledge because it's a really practical framework. If you guys have the time, I highly suggest for you to check it out. It has ethics, so permaculture ethics, and then it also has 12 principles that can guide you whenever you have problems in your garden or in your life, really, because it's really, they're so practical and they're rooted in nature and we're part of nature. So when you connect them, it's very easy to connect them and it makes sense. Don't speak too much. That's just a teaser. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I was going to say when you finish your the course, the the structure and whatnot, I I think I'm gonna take a class. Are you gonna? I think yes, we're selling. Yes, count us oh, in. Oh, oh. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, let us know in our listeners. I'm sure our listeners would like to learn more and get a, in a deep dive now, especially into permaculture. So that that's good to know. We have another expert here now. Yeah. <laughs> awesome! Congrats, Joe. The from someone who. Didn't touch soil at all. <laughs> For someone who enjoyed the crunchy leaves in me. <laughs> to someone who knows that they should be mulched. <laughs> exactly. Perfect. <laughs> I know, right? Actually, the, it's amazing. And daming mulch no <laughs> I know there's so many more questions I have about that, but we'll 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 wait till your when you start your class. I I also wanted to um I guess just reiterate Leanne's appreci appreciation of the people who like came before her, you know, like Leonard Ko is is one and Georgine Primavera. Like I've seen I see these names eh, in the uh Facebook groups that Leanne also mentioned. And you know, it's important to have these mentors to look up to and to learn from and to know that they're there. You know, it's 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 just a matter of reaching out to them if we want to learn more, following their their posts because they are they're really so passionate about what you know about native trees and about natural ways to garden that they just really write all the information to share and it's just up to us to just you know be ready to absorb that and apply it. So with that said, um, to our listeners once again. This is an uh, we we try to make this an open forum on our Facebook group. So if you have any questions or any other insights you want to share, maybe there are people you feel like you want us to interview. Go ahead and comment them. The group is still starting out. We're very we're starting out small, but that's like like the seeds and uh, our in our gardens. That's how everything starts. Very small, naman. Um, so thank you everybody. Um, thanks for joining us for another episode, and we'll see you next time. Thanks, everyone. Thank you. Before we end, I must add that I forgot to mention the issue of plant poaching, or the collection of plants in the wild, particularly from our forests. There have been news online of plant vendors and gardeners taking unique and rare plants such as orchids from the wild and selling them for a profit. For this issue, we hope to find more interviewees to give us more information on this problem and to help enlighten us on how to find sustainable solutions while we enjoy our own native plants and trees. If you know anyone, particularly from the DENR or any other people who might have knowledge about this, email us at tanumtuesdays at gmail.com or message us on our Facebook group at Tanum Tuesdays. 
from Manila, this is Albert. This is Rosel. Keep growing. And from Bacolod, it's Joanne. And Chinkin. Keep planting. Intro music is Siesta by Jazar.